Hope you enjoyed it. It's last week to hear that song before the message. That's it. Sorry. We'll have to find another one, right? So we have to find a new one for next week. Welcome. It's great to see you. Love that last song. How about you, Steve? Oh, yeah. One of my favorites. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Man, it's uh, great to see you guys this morning. Um, we've had to call a little pivot this morning. Yeah. Um, Amy was supposed to be up here with us. She had an InterVarsity event this weekend and down in Kansas City area. And I got a text last night that said... Uh, they were supposed to head back last night, but they had a sick child that was uh, extremely sick. And she said, oh, we'll try in the morning. And then I think I looked at my phone when I woke up this morning, and I had a message at about 4.45 or something like that. And she said, well, we started back, and now we've already stopped once. And so pray for the Becker family, because they are dealing with sick children. And I think Jack had to go to urgent care for poison ivy and all this fun stuff. Man, they, they, they do it hard when they go. So uh, <laughs> Take the day off, Amy. Take the day off, Amy. We got you covered. So, But um, you, just a reminder, we're in this series called Heaven on Earth. As I thought about Amy, I thought, man, there's a woman who's crying out today for the not yet, right? <laughs> the now is quite difficult. She wants the not yet. But we think back, we started this series way back. Easter Sunday. Seems like forever ago now, doesn't it? I mean, it, that wasn't but what, eight weeks ago, seven weeks ago? Um, and we've started by making a list of words. And I actually went and grabbed this from the videos. And we made a list of words of things that we would use to describe heaven and words that we would use to describe earth. And we talked about how those lists don't often match up. In fact, if you can read them, I'm sorry they're so small. I tried to get it on one slide. Um, and of course, if you can read my nasty handwriting, you know, there wasn't a lot of overlap between those two. We very much live in this tension of understanding that what we long for and what we desire isn't here. And, you know, but we've also learned, hopefully, over this series, that we don't have to wait. That not everything is a waiting game. That part of, for us, is the challenge to think about how we can, even right now, be a part of bringing heaven on earth. And so I thought we'd just start with a question is, what, if anything, has stuck out to you during this series? As we've talked about the kingdom of God, the, the heaven on earth, kingdom of heaven, what, what has stuck out to you guys? Or what did you maybe, as common, you're thinking, I've been chewing on this for a little bit. Anything? Kingdom is now. Kingdom is now. How, say that again, how dramatic, oh, the tension, the tension is, yeah, how dramatic the tension is, yeah. Anybody else? Well, I, I thought of something, I was thinking just this morning, in fact, you just may or not have noticed I added You added something. that in this morning, I see, after I hit, before yeah. I hit print, yeah. <laughs> it. It reminded me how far adrift Christianity has evolved from what Jesus emphasized. It's drifted into a realm that is filled with a lot of rules and legalities, the do's and don'ts. It's become very individualistic. Oh, too much. It's just all about what, what can God do for me? Um, and, you know, what can, what can I look forward to? Mm -hmm. um, it's put the focus on institutional power mm -hmm. rather than the infiltration of the kingdom of God 
throughout all the earth. Um, it's created, Tim just said, loveless. I, I use the phrase neighbor indifference. It's a preoccupation with yeah. stuff other than the people in the world around us. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> always thinking that the whole reason that we follow Jesus is so we can go to heaven when we die. <laughs> and with that, the idea of get me out of here. Yeah. Take me away. In fact, I pick on those songs that we have often sung. I sang growing up, you know, I'll fly away. You know, it's fun to sing, fun to play, right, Tim? Terrible theology. <laughs> Terrible theology. Um, yeah, in fact, there's a song that we do that uh, we introduced. It's called What He's Done. If you've ever heard that one on the radio or Spotify or whatever, you may think we don't sing it that way at Ashworth. Because when I first heard it was before this series, I love the song, but there's a line in it that talks about my future is heaven. And I told them, I said, we can do this song, you can't do that line, at least not until after this series. Because <laughs> I want us to understand what that means, is because for so long, everything was, you're right, we turned faith and, and our view of the kingdom really has been a part of this. We've turned it so individualistic. It's all about me. Let me do my duty, meet the rules, do what church thing I'm supposed to do so that when I die, I get to heaven out there somewhere. And I've said before, I mean, I grew up with the, or heard the expression occasionally where it says, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I'm sure you've heard that one before. Oh yeah. You know, and that, that has come to define a lot of what it means to be a Christian, which is sad. You know, it really is. Well, we live in a tension of, of thinking that's what we're supposed to believe. Yeah. But yet we live in our own little realm, our own preoccupations, our worries, our pressures, our stresses, mm -hmm. our individual needs. And so we live in a tension that I'm supposed to be thinking about getting out of here, <laughs> but I'm stuck here and there's a missing link. Yeah. And the missing link is the kingdom of God that is here yeah. and now. Yeah, and, it's, and it, it amazes me that, that this message isn't preached more often because it was the message that Jesus had Absolutely. so often. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God. I mean, it's funny because pastors love to say, oh, the most important thing Jesus said. And if you had to guess that, you would often say it was get saved so you can go to heaven when you die. And that's not it. That was not Jesus's own preoccupation. And I think it's, it's time for the church to recapture that Absolutely. understanding because there's so much significance in the here and now, which we know doesn't mean everything is perfect. No. Amy, we know you're experiencing that this morning. Hopefully you're watching, but, uh, you know, but we know that we experience these things, but how do we, how do we get there now and, so, and not yet now and not yet. And we want to recapture more of the now yeah. because we've lived in the not yet for a really long time. And so hopefully as a part of this series, that has become real to you to see that it's not just, well, I go to church on Sunday and we're glad you're here. I hope you keep coming. We, you know, this, this to me is in it, but it's this to me right here is less about this and this than it is about this. My favorite moments are interacting with you before and after and seeing you interact with one another. I mean, what Sunday is meant to be is more of a family reunion than it is anything else. Yeah, we hope we learn and we grow and communally we connect with God through singing and music and those kind of things, but it's bigger than that. And it's the kingdom is us together, you know, as family. 
You remember Jesus, again, talking about what he focused on. He said the kingdom. It says from that time on, after his temptation, he began to preach the kingdom. And he said the kingdom is at hand. He also said on another occasion, the kingdom is among you. On another occasion, he said the kingdom is in your midst. It's, it's in here. And the Apostle Paul took that a step further and he said, in him we live and move and have our being in, in Christ, in the kingdom. We live and move in the presence and working and present reality of God in the world today. Right. And, and the question I think for us is, are we paying attention? Are we paying attention? Are, do we see it, the kingdom of God around us? And, and as, as I was thinking about this week, I thought how we have so um, distorted what that is. Even if we live in the kingdom now, we've really distorted it. And you kind of hit on it in your, the last thing you said, talking about the institutional power and in those things. Because I think one of the things Christians love to do is when we think about kingdom, we think about power, and then we think about war culture war specifically and we're supposed to cultural war everything and we cancel everything and I look at that and I think is that really the way Jesus would have done it I mean it's it's so interesting to me that we want to pick up the sword and start taking off heads when Jesus said lay down the sword and lay down your life there's such a drastic you know, ten, opposition there between what we think, because I, I, I wonder if it's just because we don't trust it. Well, <laughs> if we trusted it, we'd probably be more inclined to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus said that he was the way. Mm-hmm. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. Now, that means he's the template. The way he lived is the way we're to live. Mm -hmm. The way he applied his mind, his body, his teaching, his way of living is what we are called to. Mm -hmm. Again, we've thought of the way as a door (laughs) to go through to get into heaven. Well, Jesus is that. But he's the way to live. He's the way to be here and now. And our warfare, if we want to call if it's a kingdom, there's going to be opposition. Our warfare is not earthly warfare. It's not taking up weapons. It's doing what Jesus did, doing what Jesus taught. Who can tell me one thing Jesus taught about how to respond to an enemy? Turn Turn the other cheek. Any, anything else? Love your enemy. Pray for them. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, that's a way to be like Jesus. That's a kingdom way. It is a kingdom way. And, and again, I, I think the problem is, is I, I, I use myself as an example. I know not everyone's like me, praise God. But I, I like control. You know, I like control. And so I think that's where for me, the kingdom way really confronts me often because what I want, I think, I think God should want the way I want it is the way I think God should do it. Mm -hmm. And you did the message on the Holy Spirit. 
and just that whole thing about the Holy Spirit just really turns us on our heads because what's the Bible say about the Spirit? It, it blows wherever the Spirit blows. And I mean, you, just like you can't control the wind, you can't control the Spirit. And I think it leaves many of us that like a posture of control, I don't like this. Yeah. I don't like this. I want to be able to do this and this and get this response. And so what we're talking about in the kingdom is really, we've said it many times, it's surrendering, it's laying it down, it's opening our hands and releasing the things that we're really trying to control and saying, okay, God, whatever you say, wherever you go, I will do it, yeah. you know? And I think the fear is we think, well, that means God's going to call me to go to Africa and be a missionary and sell everything I have. And most of the time, it's not even that. Most of the time, it's just, no, I'd just like you to be nice to your coworker. You know, we so spiritualize some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. We make it so big. Well, I'm going to have to quit my job and become a pastor. Don't do that. <laughs> Listen to me. Don't do that. You don't have to, unless you're very sure God's calling you to it. Don't do it. You'll be miserable. But if you're God's calling you to it, it's the most amazing thing you can ever do. Did you see what I did there? Yeah, that, was that was good, right? But I mean, so much of what we're called to is just the everyday, ordinary, to rethink about how we engage with one another, with the world, with everything. And it, ourselves. with ourselves, yeah. And I mean, I just think about, we, so, we think we need a big marketing plan. We think we need a big strategy. We think we need this. And really, it's just change the way you think just a little bit. Just a little bit. I had a conversation out in the foyer a few weeks ago when we were talking about some of these things. And one of the members of the church here said, she said, I, I'm trying to understand this kingdom thing. And, she, and then she went on to say, but you know, she and her husband are, you, 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 many of you know them, um, they are very active in helping poor people, of working in the area of feeding the hungry, providing cloth, clothing. Uh, they work hard and sacrificially in social services, uh, voluntarily, the, out of their own pocket. They provide food packets for people that they encounter on the street. And, uh, and, she, and she said, I just, I just have to do that. It's, it's what's in me. And, and she was, I sensed that she was having echoes of, of other things she's heard that saying, that's not enough, that's <laughs> not enough. And, and I said to her, I called her by name, I said, that's the kingdom at work in you. That is the way. You in your heart are feeling prompted and find joy and fulfillment in doing this little simple thing that isn't glamorous. A lot of people won't do it, but you do. And you do it out of love, you do it out of compassion. You don't have to do it. Nobody's forcing you to do it. It's just coming out of your heart. That's how the kingdom works now. Yeah. And this week when we were talking earlier, we talked about how this is kind of the, what the kingdom does is it disorients us. When we hear these things, it is really so disorienting because it really is so different than all the things that we hear and are exposed to. And I think a lot of times as Christians, maybe even churches, we weren't equipped to really figure out how do we reorient ourselves. And so what we do is we come up with activities. 
we find things to do. Well, I need to study the Bible more, and then I'll come up with my favorite. I need a daily quiet time, you know, because if you don't wake up at 4.30 a.m., God's not listening to you any other time of the day. And so you have to spend at least an hour at 4.30 to 5.30 a.m. every morning and check that, you know, and you have to give 10% and you have to do this. And we became so, we, we didn't know what it meant. We were so disoriented with the way of Jesus. We created these structures and these things and then we found our value just like we do in the world. We find our value in doing. We find our value in job titles and promotions and everything else. And we just carried that right over into our faith into how we follow Jesus. And so we began to say, well, I do this and I do that and I do that. And it's really not even about that. That's not what Jesus is really looking at us. And it's, Steve, you wrote down here, I'm gonna say your line here. It says this, the kingdom often calls us into waiting. What were you thinking when you wrote that? Because it is an instant. Jesus said to his disciples right after, right just before he was gonna leave, um, he said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Mm -hmm. So his first instruction after he's walked with them for three years, he's discipled them, he's lived the life in front of them, he's been crucified and now resurrected. resurrected. They're thinking this is all coming to a huge climax. The kingdom is going <laughs> to burst on. He's going to rise. Now he's picking up the sword. Yeah, now you know? he's going to pick up the sword. Very good. And he said, wait. Wait. Probably not the answer they wanted, by the way. <laughs> but they did. They did. They waited. He didn't even tell them how to wait. So... They when probably they, formed a committee, though, right after that, right? And they said, well, they we, need a, we need a waiting committee. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so they said, well, we've lost an apostle. Let's focus on that. <laughs> we so they, they, they had a committee yeah. and a vote to who's going to replace Judas. So see, they were good Baptists, see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they prayed, too. Yeah, they did. And they just said, Lord, we're waiting. Mm -hmm. Boy, that would be a place to be for all of us. Mm. We're waiting. Come, Holy Spirit. Yeah. We're waiting. Yeah. That's where the kingdom can break. Absolutely. Out. And as we were talking this week, I thought, you know, typically in this disorientation that we've got, waiting is not top of list usually. If it happens at all, it's usually forced upon us. Mm -hmm. um, anybody been forced to wait before? Yep. We've been there. Because our human nature does kick in, like even we're joking, but you know, they, they, we got to do, so let's do this and we got to replace this. But even in disorientation, I thought it's, it's, it's a lot like conflict, you know, it's, we have an internal conflict. We don't know what's going on. We don't know where to land. And, and just in human nature, I mean, I think psychologists will tell you that like typical human nature in conflict is to fight, flight or freeze, right? fight, flight, or freeze. And I think, as I thought about this week, I thought, okay, that's fascinating because if you think about what's happening in the world today, we see a lot of Christians doing one of these three things. We have a lot of people ready to pick up the sword and fight. Mm -hmm. Everything is worth picking up the sword and, and chopping heads off over, you know, so you got your fight. And you got some that are even flight, and it's just we're going to pull everything out of society. We're going to just get in our little holy huddle over here, and everything will be fine. And then some people just freeze, and they don't do anything. 
And what you're talking about when you're talking about waiting is it's not just freezing. Mm. There's an intentionality behind it. It's very purposeful in what they're doing in their waiting. It's waiting for the next step in the kingdom. It's not just waiting till the rapture. Yeah. It's waiting <laughs> a good for point. the next step in the kingdom. Yeah. And really, we need to change that human condition as much as we can from fight, flight, or freeze to really it should be serve and love. Serve and love. That should be where we, where we go to, even in the disorientation. And you guys know as a church, we kinda, I kind of thrive in the disorientation. I like the deconstruction stuff. I mean, I'm like, let's just dive in head first. I'm not going to run away from it. But I understand for a lot of people that can be very, very trouble, problematic, trying to find your way out of that. And I think that's, that's why it's so important, the things that we're, we've tried to do as a church, which is really based in spiritual formation, which is to try to create spaces where you can just stop and breathe, create spaces where we prompt you to encourage you to listen, to pray, to do certain things that kind of open you up to maybe what God may be speaking to us because we don't always have those opportunities during the week. I mean, when you're raising a family, when you're going 90 miles an hour, when you got all these things on the agenda, it's coming at you like this. We want to be that place that says, oh, okay, we can stop. Let's own the disorientation. Let's own the deconstruction. And let's go back to Acts 1, like you were saying, because they were certainly disoriented when Jesus, I mean, imagine seeing Jesus lifted off the earth and just being like, oh, well, wasn't really expecting that to happen. And now I guess we'll go wait, you know, and to create the space yeah. so that we find God, the movement of God. You know, if I can, I want to just brag on our pastor. <laughs> um, he and Ryan, when he was here and the leadership of this church, were processing these very things we're talking about here. And how can we be effective in the kingdom in our city? And, and, and they began to pray about it and wait and, and get input. And they contacted the city, as we've heard earlier today. What's the biggest need? What are the biggest needs? And I remember when he bounced off of me the, the thought that they were having that they were going to start a child care ministry here. And my, I don't know if you remember, but my first words were, that's kingdom work. Mm. It's looking for direction and guidance to do the next thing that will express and expand the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. It's just not a program. Yeah. It's just not busy work. It's just not a, another thing we can put on a sign out front. We're by, what do you say, 80 some? 86. Yeah. 86 children from who's counting? families of all kinds of uh, places in their in their family, their, their family issues, single parents and broken homes and all kinds of stuff in those 86 children are represented. And every day they're getting a meal, they're getting a loving care, they're help freeing up parents to do things they need to do to exist in this community. That's kingdom work. You wanna get excited about the kingdom Take your mind off of going to heaven and think about what is happening right here, right now. It's Jesus is doing it. Ann Hembry came up to me the other day and she said, I want to tell you something. I've got a friend who was diagnosed with cancer and she was in hospice. 
for a lengthy time, longer than you'd expect. And the other day, Ann told me, they checked her again and the cancer was gone. Wow. Amen. Now, <laughs> I don't know if God just sovereignly came in and took it out. I don't know if the chemotherapy and the, and the, the medical community played a role in it. I don't care. Yeah. Because either one of them are how God works in the world today to bring healing to people. That's kingdom work. <laughs> so you know when you say that. So I started reading a book about three weeks ago. And I, it's an academic kind of book. And as I was talking with Steve, he's like, I think I'd like to read that book too. So I sent him a copy of it. And as you said that, this book talks about living in a secular age and faith formation and all this. And as you're talking, my mind went to exactly what he talks about in that book is how what we do in our secular age in our secular world is we take God out of it. You hear a story like that that Ann shares and the first thing we want to do is we want to say, well, you know, they, the doctors misdiagnosed, the doctors, you know, they got the right blend of chemo. And he talks about how our struggle today as followers of Jesus, as kingdom citizens, is to recapture that transcendence, to understand there is a God and he's a big God and he created it all and he holds it all by the power of his word and he is not some deist understanding of God way out there winding the clock and stepping away. He is still intentionally involved in his creation today and he's inviting us yeah. to be a part of it. And I think that is, we need to be willing to recapture the transcendence, to recapture this idea and understanding that God is real, that he's not just some figment of our imagination, that the spirit of God is moving in the world. And it's not unheard of for somebody to be convicted of sin and want to follow Jesus. It's, that should not be the exception, that the spirit is doing that, that maybe the problem with this is us and our receptivity to these things rather than God. Because I think we blame God and think God's not doing it. No, maybe it's us. Maybe it's like you were saying, we just need our eyes opened a little bit to, to kind of see those things. It's happening. We just, we have to see it. We have to see it. We have to have, Jesus said it oftentimes. He said, he that has ears to hear <laughs> or eyes to see, let him catch this. Yeah. And that's what the challenge to us. If you've got eyes for it and ears for it, if you're paying attention, you'll see it. Mm -hmm. The kingdom is working. You know, um, I was thinking, I just thought my thought just went poof. <laughs> was that you, Lord, erasing my brain? <laughs> um, what in the world was I going to talk about? Well, ya se fue, as they say in Mexico, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Well, as we talk about this, you guys remember at the beginning of the year, we did a bless campaign where we had the sticky notes on the walls. This is one of the reasons we did it. I mean, if you kind of can put these pieces together now, this was kind of leading us here because we wanted just to encourage you to begin to open your eyes to these things, to look and see how can we be involved? How can we do join God in what he's already doing in the world to be a part of this? You got it. Ya viene. Go it, for it. It came back. <laughs> There's a scripture in Revelation that says, and they overcame the enemy, the, the, the evil ruler, yeah. by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. It, the word of their testimony is what? It's talking about the things God is doing. 
-hmm. like the individual out in the lobby shared with me, like Anne shared with me. Mm -hmm. If we talk about the stuff that we are paying attention to that God is doing yeah. and, and give testimony to it, that will cultivate an awareness, yeah. an alertness, a paying attention to what God is really doing that we might have just overlooked. And that has a power to push back the enemy. Absolutely. And what we want to do is we want to make it normative to where when we gather on Sunday, that kingdom language just becomes a part of what we do and how we talk to one another, to talk about the things and the ways that we've seen God move and work in and through us and among us. We don't want to be the except. We don't want these to be the exceptions. We want this to be just normal conversation. I saw God, like with Anne sharing with you, that's what we want to be normative. How have we seen the power of God move in and through us? And it's not always going to be miraculous healing. Sometimes it will be. I shared a story in a book I was reading this week with these guys about a teacher who she had called the kids in from playground and she looked up and she saw a little kid in the slide. And she talked about how she went over just to talk to this little girl and she could sense something was going on. And in, in this whole little moment, she, the, the kid had some things going on at home and she just was there to talk to and love and support and nurture that child. And she talked about how that was the kingdom of God. Absolutely. That was the movement of, it wasn't something that you'd necessarily even mention to somebody else, but it's in those moments that we see the kingdom of God breaking through. And we don't have to always put it in religious terminology. <laughs> Wait, you we know. don't? Wait. No. <laughs> if a teacher at a school said, I just went out and held the hand of a little child that was upset on the slide. And it helped her through the day. There's nothing pious and mm -hmm. religious. It's just basic way of saying I did something that mattered to somebody else. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of stuff that should flow easily in our conversation. That's kingdom language. Yeah. Now, I, I had a lesson in this. We were up visiting relatives this weekend and I got another reminder that if you put it all in flowery religious <laughs> Jesus language you you people will tune you out a lot of people that are that don't know that language like to say I had fellowship with someone like if the yeah. teacher said I had fellowship with a child on the yeah. playground or the Holy Spirit had a, the Holy Spirit said to me and the anointing of the Lord fell uh, yeah <laughs> We understand in a, in a church setting, we understand those kinds of things and yeah. we value them. I'm not belittling that Absolutely. description, but when we want to communicate it with our testimony in a way that infiltrates the culture, yeah. in a way that makes a difference in people's lives and helps them to listen to what we're saying, well, it's good to use language that they understand. Absolutely. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus is talking about all the things of the world that we might be worried about, the things that can consume us, and the things that might take us away. And at the end of that, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It could also be translated justice. And all these things will be added unto you. That's really the challenge for us. It's an invitation from Jesus to say, come in, be a part. I'm already doing it. The kingdom of God is among you. It's in your midst. It's already there. Open your eyes. 
step right in. And I do want to make this statement. Some of you already are. This is not a guilt sermon. This isn't a shame sermon. This isn't a pick up three more things and do sermon. This is some of you already do this and praise God. We want you to tell us more. Tell us what's going on. Make that part of your language to us so that the rest of the body can be encouraged by what is going on. But there's a challenge there. Seek first the kingdom of God. It's that word we've used many weeks. Repent, change your mind, change your direction. Rethink, refocus, reprioritize your life to seeking the kingdom of God. And then Jesus says, you know, all that other stuff you're worried about, it's going to be taken care of. It'll be fine. Don't sweat it. I got it, Jesus says. And this beautiful invitation that we're given. So our, our admonition, our encouragement to you today is just keep looking, keep listening, keep leaning in, keep loving all these things around you to step into these places where you are the kingdom of God that the world so desperately needs. Amen. Let me pray for us. God,